Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, everybody, it's Julie on Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about all things green and growing that God gave us. Today, we are continuing with our Herb Garden series with Calendula. And I have to say that sometimes Calendula is called marigold, and I want to clear some things up about that because they're are two plants that look pretty similar uh, sometimes, but they're two different genuses and they grow in two different parts of the world, but they are often called the same thing. So there's calendula, which has a few different species that are um, pretty, most of them are pretty medicinal. And then we have the togetus species, which is also called marigold, and that is the true marigold. And that's the one that we mostly see in people's gardens. And, and it's not it's not as medicinal, and it, it has different properties. So it's important to make sure we're talking about the same thing. So even though some of the herbals even call calendula marigold, which makes it all really confusing, um, you know, even when I'm looking up some things sometimes in my herbals, uh, just to double check stuff, I, I have to look things up under marigold because that's where calendula is listed. It's it, it is confusing. So just make sure you have that clear. We are talking about calendula, not marigold, the Tegeta species. Now, calendula, the true calendula is found in northern Africa and south central Europe. That's where it's native to, but the Tegetis species of marigold is found in mostly Latin America and in hot climates in the Americas generally. So calendula plants are edible. The marigold, the true marigold, is not edible. So that's an important distinction uh, because um, the marigolds that we often find at garden stores are not edible and they are good to plant around, though, uh, because they still they do deter uh, animal and insect pests, but um, but they're not edible. <laughs> Calendula can grow well in pots because it's really called the pot marigold. It does grow well in pots, but it doesn't really transplant well. So if you grow it in a pot and then you try to put the calendula in the ground, it, it may not survive. So it's really best to sow it directly into the ground and it will grow almost anywhere. Uh, as long as it gets at least partial sun, 
and the soil is a completely waste, then it it will grow. And it doesn't need a whole lot of tending except maybe to weed, you know, weed out uh, the invasive plants. Uh, and it, it it's good to kind of control the seeding of calendula because the seeds will spread and then you will have it in places that maybe you didn't want it to be growing. So just be careful about that if you decide to grow marigold. Calendula officinalis. Now I I mentioned we're making that distinction. It is sometimes known as marigold or marigold or marybud or even poor man's saffron because it does color food similar to saffron uh, and has been used in that way over the years. But a careful eye will know the difference between poor man's saffron, that is calendula, and the real saffron, of course. Uh, It has been cultivated, even though it grows wild, it's been cultivated in gardens since at least the 12th century. We know that it's been, you know, grown in gardens at least that far back. But it was known among the ancients, of course, much farther back than that. So the Latin name Calendae, Calendula, Calendae, means, of course, it sounds like calendar. It does mean something very similar to that. It means the first of the month. And that's because the Romans noticed that it tended to bloom around the first of the month during its growing season. So it would it would bloom on, say, the 1st of April, and then the blooms would kind of fade, and then it would bloom again the 1st of May, like that. So it, it bloomed fairly often, and it, it, was, it was kind of a fun thing to observe, so that's why they called it that. And ancient Egyptians would use calendula for skin treatments, but... The Greeks and Romans really used it mostly for cooking and for rituals. They would make flower garlands out of the blooms and use them for weddings and other types of rituals. And they've also been used by people from India and in the Hindu tradition as well. The most, uh, it was mostly used for its coloring, as I mentioned, and it did add flavor. They like to put it in dumplings, wine, oatmeal, puddings, stews, soups. Uh, It would often be put in the same pot with spinach, and it was used to flavor stewed birds. So, you know, pheasant or turkey or something. And every proper bowl of Dutch soup would be flavored with calendula. So... There's also some interesting old mythology and legends around calendula. And uh, it also helps explain a little bit how it got the name Marigold. So there are a few stories about that, about how it got to be called Marigold. And one tradition stems from church legend that describes it as something that occurred when the Holy Family went to Egypt. So the legend says that 
while they were on their way, robbers came and stole Mary's purse. And when they opened it, all they found were the golden flowers. So Calendula was ever after known as Mary's gold. And then it came to be used in Catholic events through the centuries. Another folk legend says that a beautiful golden-haired girl named Mary Gold, because her name was Mary, of course, with golden hair, (laughs) who spent all her time watching the sun, one day she just disappeared and was never found. But in the place where she used to sit, there grew a little sun-like flower. And her friends said that the little flower was really Mary Gold and that she had been turned into the flower. So that's how the country folk came to be calling Calendula Mary Gold. Now, there's a lot of other interesting superstitions and, and, and myths around Calendula because uh, in, in past times, it was, it was thought to have some magical powers, which we know plants don't have any magical powers, but they were very superstitious during the medieval era and even in ancient times. And they attributed things to the flower that, of course, you know, were probably sometimes circumstantial. And so then they thought, oh, it's the flower, when in fact it really was just circumstantial. (laughs) So uh, one of the beliefs held that if you strewed calendula under your bed, you would be protected from robbers. And if you had been robbed already, that calendula would help you find the robbers. Interesting. And it was also considered wise to carry a little bit of calendula in your pocket when you go for legal proceedings in the court because it was believed that calendula would help you get a positive result, a positive outcome that favored you. And another interesting story is that women who walked barefoot across calendula petals were supposedly able to communicate with birds. I don't know where anybody would have gotten that idea. Very interesting. Um, but they're, one of the most popular things that people believed around calendula, other than these kinds of stories, was calendula would help you find your true love. So an unmarried woman with two suitors She would take a blend of powdered calendula, marjoram, wormwood, and thyme, and then simmer it up in some honey and white wine and use it it as an ointment in a ritual that would tell which man she was supposed to marry. Don't know how that would have happened, but calendula was also added to many love charms and was supposedly the flower that gave us the little, you know, love me, love me not, he loves me, loves me not, you know, that little rhyme that like every little kid knows, I think, where you pull off the petals as you go and see which one it ends up on. Well, that this is the plant that they say that it started with. 
um, because people thought that Calendula had some power to influence the outcome of being uh, wooed and uh, courted and things like that. So peop- young maids would add it to their add it to little dream pillows that they would put under their pillow. And they said that the calendula flowers would help them to dream about their future husband. Mm. Well, there were some other beliefs that weren't too far from the truth. Though the ones I just told you about were, of course, pretty far-fetched. I, it, I don't know where they would get those kind of ideas from. But there were some ideas that people had that were a little bit closer to the truth. And I'm going to tell you about those right now. So some believed that bathing in calendula tea would give your skin a healthy glow. We'll we'll see in a little bit that that's not too far off. Um, it It was supposed to protect a person who was carrying it in their pocket from scorpion bites. Now... It's in their packet and not on their, not like, not an ointment or anything. I think they were on the right track, but uh, just carrying flowers around, of course, is not really going to do a whole lot for you. And it's reported that the French believed that if you stared at the calendula blooms for a while every day, that your eyesight would magically improve. Well, I know about staring at the flower, right? Um, but uh, again, the idea that calendula might improve or do something for your eyesight is not uh, not that far off. And the last thing about that is that they would hang garlands of the flowers from their door handles to protect them from evil spirits and infectious diseases. And again, you know, not not too far off. Now, the European settlers did bring calendula with them when they came over to America. Now, remember I said that there's already a family of plants that's similar to calendula that already grows naturally in the southern parts of the United States, the very southern parts, and um, in New Mexico and South America, where there's more, where it's more tropical. So we're talking about calendula being brought over from Europe to grow in the more northern parts, where it, it there is no native species. But um, they brought it over, and they thought that it would protect them from Native American witchcraft. They also brought it for cooking, of course, because they had long been using it in cooking and making it with soups and stews and things like that for a while. So they continued to use it that way. And over time, um, people came to use it more and more for physical uses and ailments and had abandoned all the superstitious and legend type of uses. By the 1800s, Doctors had realized when you use calendula as a poultice that it could stop bleeding. And 
they did use it in the Civil War for that purpose. They would carry dried calendula petals in their medicine bags to stop bleeding and promote wound healing in uh, injured soldiers. In World War I, they were still using it as an aid for wound healing and to stop bleeding. They, in fact, there was a British garden designer who led a campaign to grow and gather calendula to send it to the front lines in France, uh, to the hospitals there. And yes, it was still popular to use herbal remedies during that time. Uh, The modern pharmaceutical-based system wasn't the predominant system yet. Uh, The AMA was, in fact, almost bankrupt about this time, uh, except that they were rescued by a very rich benefactor that really promoted them and made things difficult down the line for any other type of practitioner to uh, practice. And we'll get into that in a future podcast a little bit more. So let's get into some of the modern research about calendula. So yes, it has been shown, of course, that it is very effective for skin ailments. Some test tube research has shown that it in fact promotes collagen growth and it promotes uh, and influences some of the proteins that are involved in wound healing. So that's how it works. At least some understanding of how it works because there's things that we will probably never be able to quite figure out about plants and how they work. It does result in faster healing times and less scarring because of its properties with the collagen and stuff. So it also affects internal wounds, not just on the surface of the skin, but that uh, that tube that's inside our bodies, our digestive tract. So it can help with the ulcers and things that grow Uh, that can be a problem with our stomachs. And it also contains antioxidants that help fight inflammation, aging, and tumor growth or the formation of cancer cells. Uh, Some of the other calendula uses that uh, research has uncovered include antifungal, antiviral, antimicrobial actions, especially on the skin and in the mouth. So putting it in mouthwash, things like that can be helpful. But it is so gentle that it is often used in diaper rash creams and for mild burns. And an infusion can be used on the eyes for inflammation in the eyes. And that was what I was alluding to way back in the medieval times. And they were thinking that you could just stare at it. Well, it's a little more than that, but they're on the right track. (laughs) So it has also been used to address varicose veins It's been used for bug bites, and it has also been used for delayed menstrual periods. And because it does have some emenagogic properties, 
it is advised that you do not use it during pregnancy, but it is safe for children. It has long been a, a, a herb that kids the kids can use that I mean that you can use with children on their skin and as a gentle uh, internal remedy as well. Now, it some of the chemical constituents that calendula has are the triterpene saponins, triterpene alcohols, flavonoids, carotenoids, polysaccharides, and a whole long list of a bunch of other constituents and other antioxidant groups. This is a great little herb to grow in your garden and explore for yourself. Think about some of the historic uses and the fact that, you know, it's still being used today. So I hope that you like this episode and that you connect with me on Facebook at Julie Naturally or on Instagram at Julie.Naturally. And we'll catch up again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless.